Welcome to the Weird Eye podcast. We are your hosts, Adrian Spataro and Bohdan Andrusak. And in this episode, we're going to talk about AI in modern warfare. We are back. We had a little bit longer holidays than expected, but now we are back and going to tell you about new and cool topics about AI. And today we are talking about warfare, which is more serious topics than our previous topics, but I think it's very important to talk about it because we see a lot of development AI is going into warfare. And personally, for me, what inspired me to to do this episode was the picture of this robot dog from Boston Dynamics with AI-driven sniper rifle attached to it. As our robots becoming more intelligent, its most obvious step afterwards is putting weapons on them and weaponizing new built technologies. And the robots are not the only thing which can kill. There are all of, a lot of advancements in current technologies such as tanks and drones. But before we're going to go and talk about the latest warfare, algorithms and stuff like this, I think we need to note that AI, it's pre, let's say the godfather, the father of AI is statistics. And statistics have been used in war like all the time. One example I can recall was uh, during World War, where where U.S. airplanes came back from their fight, and a lot of those airplanes had holes in them, you know, from the gunnings. And what they quickly identified is that they all had a particular pattern, where they like around the wings and some other areas. And they quickly noted that they should reinforce the areas of the airplane where there are no holes present, no, because most likely those planes, those are the weak spots of the airplane, which led to the death of those fighters. So um, statistics is one of the way, good ways to see patterns. And, and I think it's called survivor bias now in statistics, and it's very often can lead to problems in your data set if you don't think about it. My favorite example of statistic in warfare is from World War One. So before World War One, uh, people didn't use helmets in war, but during World War One, when the artillery got was introduced, they noticed, it's a British, British notice that lots of People had head traumas from artillery, so they introduced helmets, but for, to their surprise, after the helmets were introduced, the amount of people with, with head injury just increased. But luckily for everybody, those people responsible for making decisions were not stupid because they noticed that the death amount, the death count from people with head injury decreased. So that's also things to keep mind in statistics to compare your data sources. But let's get now to our topic of modern warfare. So it's important to stress that autonomous weapons, AI-driven weapons are not things of fantasy. It's not about future. It's happening already now. So in the recent conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia that just happened in July 2020, Azerbaijan used uh, quite a lot of AI-driven weapons. 
mostly named loitering munitions. It's a very fancy name for type of drones or rockets. In this case, it's more like a rocket that also functions as a drone because these rockets, they are shoot into the sky and they fly over the area like a kite until they notice their target. And when they notice their target, uh, they will go just hit the target like kamikaze pilot. And it's called loitering munition because it just waits in the sky. And the company that produces them, one of them just, just has a slogan called fire and forget because you can fire and forget about it. It will find its own target. So it's Obviously, a lot of image recognition technologies goes into it because it needs to identify targets and it's mostly used to take strategic targets like anti-aircraft defense or like tanks and other uh, big, big targets. One thing to note is that we really need to distinguish autonomous weapons and let's say AI autonomous weapons. So if we, autonomous weapons are not something new. It's not like we used computer vision in the past, but we still use sensors in the past. So generally a lot of weapons have sensors in them, which process the data of the sensors. And then given a particular state, they will deactivate the harmful payload, explode or whatever it does. So uh, a lot of anti-vehicles, let's say sea mines, are basically these autonomous technologies, which we had let's see, before this AI boom happened. And we need to keep, we need to kind of distinguish between these two because they're not, they're totally different approaches on dealing with creating weapons. So we, that's, AI isn't, this is not the first time we use the AI for, for creating weapons. Last year in Libya, a drone called the STM Cargo 2, which is, which was deployed, hunted down and yeah, killed retreating soldiers which were loyal to the Libyan general back then. And this is not only the first case where drones were also used. Of course, these are smaller compared to what Bogdan previously said as the loitering munition. Also during, I think, was it this year or last year with, uh, Ga- with Gaza, with uh, Israel? I'm not sure last year. I think it was last year, yeah. Um, they also, the Israel, Israel government also deployed swarm drones, so drones which work as a single unit, like a neural network which governs multiple drones, which they use during the fight with Hamas. So this, so AI, military AI in modern warfare is already applied, and we're not talking only about autonomous, autonomous weapons, weapons here. here. And all these cases that are successful for sides that is using these weapons, lead to more interest in it, more development. And now the countries which produce weapons are putting lots of money in development. I saw, I think it's US stats for how much money they put in development. So the amount they put into AI or autonomous weapons increased from 11 billion to 32 billion in a few years. This is not only the US. Similar projects have been happening in China and Russia. So the US standpoint, they already concluded that properly designed and tested AI weapons 
can bring a very big advantage to the military. And one quote which I, li- I found very interesting from the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, the person who is a leader in AI will become the new ruler of the world. So a lot of potential, a lot of money. Should we maybe talk about what is done to regulate that, maybe? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, so, so uh, as... as uh, as all as in a case with nuclear weapons or other type of devastating weapons, UN tries to regulate it. And as everything UN does, it's super slow and doesn't lead to many progress. As they started thinking, regulating, or thinking about how to regulate the autonomous or AI weapons in 2014. So UN has this Convention on Certain Conventional Weapons, which is a convention which talks about weapons that are not nuclear weapons, because for nuclear weapons there is different conventions. And in the past, they regulated weapons like landmines. So landmines are forbidden to use in a war, and it's kind it's counted as war crime to use landmines. So now from 2014, they are focusing on AI or autonomous weapons. And that's, they still stuck on definitions. What is AI weapon? What is autonomous weapons? Because different countries have different view on it. And in this convention, it's everybody has to agree on it because if one country doesn't agree, they will not pursue write a treaty. So the problem is definitions is different countries come with different definitions. And there's a, I saw cut from their assembly and it's interesting to see the different arguments. For example, Russia, Russian diplomats say that there is no such thing as autonomous weapons. There is no AI weapons. They just say it's all human controlled in some way. And there's no 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 thing as autonomous weapons and there is no need to regulate it because it doesn't exist yet. However, they just build a tank that is autonomous. And this was in 2018. Yes. <laughs> and uh, in the uh, US also is one of the biggest opponents of doing regulation on it. And US diplomat was saying, let's say we take a rifle and we shot shoot a bullet and a bullet, when it fires, it's not under control of humans. So is it an autonomous weapon? So they come up with these leaps of logic just to, to make, you know, the progress impossible because they need to stroll the time because so they can invest in development and production. And, uh, China, yeah, yeah. and China has an interesting position too because they said like, yeah, let's write that we don't use them, but let's not ban production of them. So uh, there is so much diplomatic problems happening around this because how do you track AI? Because with, in the case of nuclear bombs, it's easy to say. It's like, okay, you cannot have more than 10 nuclear bombs. But when it comes to AI, you cannot count AI. You have what types of AI systems you have. Can you use AI for attack or only for defense? And where the defense ends, ends and where the offense starts? This all the, the questions that this 
convention discuss and they cannot agree on it. And while it's all happening, a lot of companies are just producing technology. A lot of countries investing billions and billions into it. And uh, we can see that this technology are used in conflicts uh, already. But what are those technologies? Well, there are a variety of technologies we can talk about. Um, in the beginning, we talked about this robot from Boston, from Boston Dynamics. So there is a lot of, let's say, clones. Basically, if you all know, the Boston Dynamics produce robots uh, for, let's say, for different vari- var- various tasks. And there are a lot of companies which already build, let's say, a clone of it. So a robot which has four legs, moves like a dog, and can carry stuff on the back and has some kind of, uh, let's say, smart AI pathfinding. And there are already companies who build their own robot and they put uh, weapons on them, either, as Bogdan previously mentioned, the sniper rifle in behind it. So what we can say is that any, any kind of robots we have, we can build and put weapons on them. Now, what's the, this is the difference from, let's say, 40 years ago? The big difference is that we have reinforcement learning. And with reinforcement learning, this helps us to simplify the problem of making robots maneuver terrain. One of the big issues when Russia built their autonomous tank was navigating when it lost connection. When, when the tank was disconnected from the network and so on, it had to navigate around by itself by the terrain. And if you don't have a very advanced AI algorithm, it's very easily and, and very likely that it will get somehow stuck or, let's say, not able to reach its destination somehow. And this is something which is more easier to deal with when you have reinforcement learning, where you can have the, your, let's say, robot or autonomous vehicle fail million times in a simulation. And when it's actually deployed in real life, it will work very well. So this is the first game changer here, reinforcement learning. Now, tanks, robots can be automatized and to, for pathfinding. And this is already a big competitive advantage. Most of the time, it's just reaching your, your enemy in some way where it's not detected or at least reaches there in a very efficient path way. So this is definitely not something which should be taken lightly. Uh, the second, another category of AI technology, which uh, also is a subcategory of reinforcement learning, is swarm te- AI. Basically, a lot of agents, small agents, which work together, controlled by a single unit, a single AI. And um, as we previously mentioned, drones are a very classical example of that, where we have hundreds, thousands of drones which simultaneously work together to attack or defend a yeah to the attack or defend so one of those when it comes to attacking of course you have your killer robots which use computer vision to identify their target and of course using reinforced learning to navigate and collaborate in, in their environments where they're located and when it comes to defense well those are the drones which sacrifice them to to catch those rockets which are landing on you on the air, again, this also requires coordination because if there are multiple ones, they need to find a way that they all hit them in a way that 
that none of the rockets land or the or the damage is minimized due to the lack of the drones. So, yeah, these are the big changes which happened, let's say, in the past five years. I think since we have, we seen this mainly when this change happening in the military, when like around when AlphaGo and AlphaZero and AlphaMu, all these algorithms with most learning were released. I also want to talk before we continue on talking more about other AI technologies, I want to briefly just make a detour. And that is when it comes to how these algorithms, reinforced learning algorithms are trained. And the US military has a very interesting approach, similar view as Google. So instead of building AI with, let's say, heuristics, with label data, and so on, you let the AI just learn by itself. And that's what we've seen with AlphaGo. When AlphaGo was playing, was learning from Grandmaster Play, it learned to play well, but it was not so good as when the AI tried to learn by itself, so fighting with each other by himself, and got a more better performance than the original AlphaGo. So the same idea has been used in, in current AI research in military, where, where they, for example, there, there was a competition by by DARPA, where they developed AI for autonomous airplanes, so autonomous flighting airplanes. And in this competition, they were using a simulator where these airplanes would fight each other, and yeah, the goal is to basically destroy your enemy. And they were a lot of participants, several companies were invited to do this, and universities, and they basically all had, like, most of them a reinforcement approach and yeah, this is the current view on doing the problem. Basically, letting the eye learn itself and uh, learn by dying a million times by itself. Of a million first time, it will be just better as every other person in the world, which was actually the case because after the competition, they these AI robots competed with real people, real fighters and the simulator, and the simulator just lost every time. So this shows, this you, shows that you that... You mean simulator... simulator. Like AI won all the time. Yes, in the simulator, won all the time in the simulator. That's that's what I meant. So we see every time we really learn something in the real world, in, in machine learning research, we see this principle quickly applied in military as well. That's funny because like I'm getting flashback to our episode where we talk about computer games and it, it was what we were discussing, like why people do AI to play computer games because that's a strategy development and that will be eventually used for warfare. And it's like less than a year we are sitting here talking about how military is using AI to develop weapons with the technologies that was tested on computer games. You mentioned our, our podcast on gaming well, it's, here's more crazy. There, there was I found actually a single paper on this competition with the flying airplanes. The method on which this uh, paper described was is called a genetic fuzzy tree, which is very similar to those decision trees which you build for video games or for AI. There, so <laughs> to show you that how gaming and uh, and the military is very interconnected in that regard. But, you know, it's like as these militaries building up AI soldiers, armies, it will, we will end up in a world where like robots fight robots. And, you know, imagine if 
if it, how cool it would be instead of just fighting robots, they will just play, you know, StarCraft and decide how it's happening. Yeah. Who wins StarCraft match will win the war, but sadly it's not it's not gonna happen because in in the end wars are win when the one side takes so much losses that it cannot contain continue fighting. And um, also what I see as a possible issue or threat is as more offensive AI development happens, more, there is a lot of defensive AI happens. So we will end up with defensive AI systems and offensive AI systems. And all of them will react in a fraction of millisecond because human, humans won't be able to react to offensive AI. And we know it can happen that there will be a false alarm on one of the AI systems. Let's say they are on a ship and there is a storm and it puts ships too close to each other and AI systems go crazy. They start you know, firing each other, creating this conflict that started in a fraction of a second because AI decided that's, what's, that's, that's a trigger. And nobody wanted to start that conflict, but now here we are. And these things already happened in real world in a trading market where all these bots that trade stocks, uh, they triggered each other to, to drop the market price where in, it was in 2010, I believe, where where there was like nearly three trillion dollars just were wiped out from a stock market because different trading algorithms were, you know, triggering each other to sell. And now if you put it on weapons, we can see that it can lead to much worse consequences than losing lots of money. I've read a report by the U.S. National Security Committee for AI. And in essence, they touched this point where AI can fail. 99% of the time, it will work well. Like your self-driving car can work 99% of the car. But those anomalies, that 1% where it fails, that's like the biggest challenge in this AI, where you gonna invest, you invest one year to reach the 99% and 10 years to reach that 1%. <laughs> Because it's like there's enough one failure to start a war. In history, it happened a lot of the time. During Cold War, the Soviet submarine lost contact with the Moscow, and by protocols, it meant that the war started. And if they would go by protocol, they should have fired the nuclear missile to the U.S., but there was this officer uh, Stanislav Petrov, he said, like, let's wait five minutes. You know, we will have enough time to nuke US, just five minutes. And in five minutes, the connection with the Moscow was restored and they confirmed, no, it was just a mistake. So if it was run by AI that follows its algorithm, it would fire the rockets. AI doesn't double question if it's sure if its algorithm says that, you know, it's time for war, it will shoot the missile. It will never double question its decision. Speaking of decisions, autonomous command decision-making is one of the applications which are researched. 
So the idea is that you could use AI to help commanders make better decisions faster. Hopefully not starting your nukes, but let's say something else. So when you make a decision, you could have uh, some, you can use AI to process the data, what is currently happening in the current situation, and also run simulations to give you a better idea what to do. So the idea is that you could use AI to develop strategy for the opposing side, like let's say like in the, like in a war game basically, and uh, you can make you could project what it could what the opponent may do and what's the worst case, what's the best move your opponent can play, and therefore you can make better decision as a commander in that regard. So I think the analogy would be like in chess where you always predict the best move of your opponent. The commander maybe cannot process all the information in the situation. You could use AI to make better decisions. But I think this is, this task is so hard to model because you know in chess you have limited amount of moves you can do, but in real world like never. First of all, you don't know all the resources of your enemy, so there is a lot of hidden information, and the amount of possibilities is endless. So modeling. Of, of combat can be really hard tasks. There will be a lot of oversimplifications, but I think that even with a lot of oversimplification, it can bring a lot of benefit, you know, benefit, hard, <laughs> hard to say, to say like... What, what, the, who's benefiting that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's hard, hard to say <laughs> benefit. It will give, you know, <laughs> more people will be killed. killed. But the People's Liberation Army, which is... China's army, they're specifically looked in this idea and what they're trying to do or at least hope to do is to use basically the decision which is done by the commander is command decision should be delegated to the AI and the AI will basically coordinate the necessary steps to do it. So yeah, with some oversimplification, I think it's possible this would be one of them. Not the high level stuff, but the low level stuff, which is let's say more pattern recognition, then AI can definitely be more useful and more quickly develop solution for that. But that's that's really where the ethics come into play because there is a difference between legality and ethics. I saw a very nice explanation video from, I think it was US sniper. He was telling about their operation where they, they set a point and they are waiting and they saw a kid in a distance, like a little girl with a radio, and she's like obviously talking on a radio. And of course, after that, the fight, the enemy fighters arrived and they started the fight. So legally, they could have killed that little girl because she is a scout, so she is a part of a combat. But is it ethical? Probably not, because it's a kid. But for if we implement AI just to obey rules of war, as AI would take that shot. And for a lot of generals, it may be a better solution because it would improve the, the strategical situation. <laughs> I like that phrasing. Yeah, what you cannot see doesn't hurt you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a lot of things because I believe that... With this AI, this, the side that doesn't have robots will always lose. 
because AI, like the of these weapons, they will never double question their leader's decisions. Their, their leader decisions. They will just they have a target. They will do everything because in war it happens where where soldiers refuse or see that the on a, when they are in in a place they see that there was probably wrong intelligence and there is that's not a good target and they will not do what they were told and they will communicate back to you know headquarters and say what they see but with ai it may not happen and if ai has information that there is uh, enemies in that place they will just eradicate the place so ethics is a very big issue which I think we still have to do on our topic on AI and ethics. We will do it. We will one day pick up that very heavy subject. Uh, but for now, I just want to go and reflect just how interconnected the military and current AI are. are. So one more application, which I found very interesting, and it's currently developed, is artificial intelligence and logistics and planning for the military. So all the logistics and planning when you of your of items is currently done by all those big e-commerce websites. Amazon, Zolando and and all all those big logistic companies like for example here in Graz we have Knapp where they use AI to manage the resources, how to how to manage the supply chain and so on. So just by applying this industrial level image recognition and object detection technologies, you could have a very efficient logistics system also for your military. So everything, every hour which is invested in the industry side somehow comes back to the military as well. And I just, and this is not like, oh, science fiction, like, oh, okay, this will happen, but not now. No, this will, there is a project called Project Maven, which was exactly this idea of applying these technologies, were used within six months since the idea came. There was a project which assisted operations during the fight with ISIS, as the as, as US was in Afghanistan. So this is not something which hasn't been applied yet. That's a very good point to confirm what you are saying, that every hour used in industry can be transferred to warfare. And this is a huge difference between Cold War, our arm race during Cold War, and today's race of AI. Because if you think about nuclear weapons, developing of nuclear weapons is clearly military process. Uh, There is not much other applications of nuclear weapons you can use except for nuclear weapons. But with AI, it's different. Here is the technologies that are developed for industry for so many different applications that get militarized. So this is this makes for military an easy fruit to use all the research, all the progress that, you know, AI scientists do every year without uh, without even thinking that somebody can militarize their technology. They take it and they make weapons of it. And it's make really a big problem because we cannot stop 
AI development because AI already showed it improves our life so much better. And that's why I believe like regulation of AI weapons won't be possible in a lot of ways because if they if, if there will be treaties that says like you cannot research robots that shoot weapons, people that people will research robots that shoot paintball guns for paintball practice, which are definitely not for killing people. Yeah, and it's not, and you cannot even stop it at the academic level. So, if if people, AI researchers who are listening to this podcast, you may know that NeuroIPS and some other conferences introduced the idea of adding adding a ethics section of of the AI there. Right? You want the idea is that you don't want to have unethical applications of AI in your conference, but. You know, like okay, some of them are very obvious. Like I say, like if you have a pain, like a paper about paintball guns, then nah, you know, like what's that? What's the real life application of that? But if you're doing something which, let's say, is something in health industry which is very beneficial in your research, but that same technology can be used to you make a killer killing machine. <laughs> it's like nobody's gonna write that that ethics statement, and maybe it's not even obvious. That's the thing; nobody would ever know that that's even possible with. That certain application, if you don't have that mindset or come from that background, so there's so not even from academic, not even from a legal perspective, it's quite hard problem to solve. Where we are both kind of pessimistic in that regard. But I think, I think like if comparing AI weapons and nuclear weapons, I still think that nuclear weapons are much more devastating and dangerous for humankind than AI weapons, at least in the state that it's now. And very, I think still nuclear are much more dangerous. It just, what I see is the countries that have resources to, to make these weapons, they will just dominate everybody else because there is no defense, like there is very little defense against it, except you have other AI weapons. So what I see happening is just countries spending lots of monies to get AI weapons, which will lead to development of more AI weapons and this endless cycle of arm race. In that said, we're going to end this podcast with this tone since, well, we are glad to hear your thoughts on this situation. Do you have an idea how this will be looking in the future? Is there any technologies which you think we missed? Write us on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Until next time, we wish you a great day. And keep safe. Keep safe. Don't be on the wrong side of a drone swarm. Don't be on the wrong side. Yeah.